I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How you day? It's another day to be great. So today's episode is about humanization. How do you humanize technology platforms, particularly when it comes to hiring and the world at large? I talked to Steve Acho, who has cracked the code for this. And we dive into different ways for aspiring CEOs to hire better people. And for those who want to be in the workforce, what are things you can do to make sure that you beat all the competing resumes? How do you humanize yourself to perspective people that can hire you. I love the range that Steve particularly has. You find that in his personal life, he's quite the renaissance man himself. And there are many interesting things about what he does. But I really hope that you're inspired by the episode and you share. Love you all. Enjoy. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads and today's guest is Steve Acho. He's got a staffing company that helps companies, recruiters and job seekers connect in a more human way, especially using today's technology. His book, Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to Do About It, has helped put everything into perspective, all the problems with recruiting and hiring today. He also believes that at the heart of successful recruiting and team building is a conversation, and technology can help facilitate that as a better experience. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks so much for having me. The pleasure is mine. So you have this interesting concept of making, uh, putting a more human process in the hiring, uh, in the hiring decision making, and that's very interesting, particularly because we live in this digital age. But mm. Before we get into the human, into the digital, I want to know the human that is Steve Atro. So, <laughs> uh, um, what got you started? You, you strike me, especially with our conversation pre this interview, as someone who's multifaceted, who's got a lot of interests. But what was it like growing up, and what led you down this path of being an entrepreneur? Well, I grew up in uh, in Detroit, Michigan, and. Uh, Right while I was in college, uh, going to going to school in Michigan, I was accepted on a scholarship program to go to Japan for a year on a work study program, and I just fell in love with it and 
studied the language and learned the language and studied business. And uh, when I came back to the States right after I graduated, um, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I just thought of different ways to make money using the skills that I had and doing things that I like to do, which is pretty much what everyone in the world wants to do. But I, uh, I worked pretty hard doing that. And while I was still an undergrad, I was um, translating documents from Japanese into English and getting paid like $30 an hour to do that, which is was amazing way back in the day for a college kid. Uh, and then I would teach Japanese to, um, to business people that, you know, usually worked for Japanese companies. And that just led into other things where my contacts would say, Hey, can you, can you translate into this language? And, and I started to develop other contacts that spoke other languages and internationally. And all of a sudden had like a translation company and a consulting company. And, uh, Ended up getting hired by Ford Motor Company. They sent me to Japan. Um, I ended up working for the president of Mazda while I was there and working on my MBA while I was in Japan. And then I came back and kind of went back on my own and started selling consulting services and things like that. And at one of the companies that I was working for, I ended up being, I wasn't so much a technology guy, but I was more a user of all the technology um, and then years later, I ended up meeting uh, just this phenomenal, super smart woman that is now my business partner who had her own company selling the services that I was consuming um, as, a, as a business person and I got into this business. So I've been you know, in probably 15 different countries for work and play. Um, I've been lucky enough to also do music. So, I mean, that's kind of a side, side thing that I'm lucky enough to make money at. But um, just started composing my own music, um, self-taught on piano and singing and doing a lot of covers of popular songs and just ended up being lucky enough to sell millions of those songs across you the world. You millions? Millions, yeah. I'm at, I'm at around 15 million uh, downloads and streams. How are you just dropping millions casually? It's, you know, it's, well, I, well I, can, I can drop it casually because if, if – Whoever the most popular band is today had 10 or 15 million downloads. They'd probably all, you know, go quit their jobs and go apply at Walmart. So <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. For someone like me who's relatively unknown in the world, it pays my mortgage um, without me even having to tour or do anything. So it's very much a side project that I love. And, you know, I have fans that have flown me out to Australia and Italy and I've been on TV in Japan. And a lot of it has just been from not doing it every day. It's not like I'm on tour and I'm, I'm you know, playing in a different bar every night. I, I was when I was younger. Um, and then it became work and I didn't want it to be work. So I kind of made it a side business. And now it's super fun because I get to say yes to things that I'm excited about doing and getting paid well and having impact or affecting a, a charity in a positive way uh, or say no to the 90% of the stuff that I don't think has a good impact. Sorry, there's, there's a, I don't know if you recognize this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. I, I was, I was like, I was like, I've got to check this out because you, you're telling me that you taught yourself this. Yeah. This is incredible. Thank you. I, honestly, so I just I have to be a little bit humble here. I really love that people give me so much credit for being a teacher self uh, to play music, but there are plenty of people 
that know how to speak and they don't know how to write and they're called illiterate. So I'm one of those people. I just happen to be that in music. So it's not that big of a deal. I'm just I'm just a hack. Well, trust <laughs> me. It sounds good to some people, so that's that's fine. All right, anyone listening, just type in Steve Acho songs, music, and you, you get you go down this YouTube rabbit hole. I mean, what I was playing was his cover of Imagine Dragons, and uh, um, you know, the little snippet I heard was pretty good. So that's pretty fascinating. And this is actually going to make this interview even more interesting for me because now what I want to do is get inside that mind. So this, a lot of our listeners, the point of this podcast is to essentially make people become better global citizens, to become uh, more informed leaders because I believe that, you know, in order for anyone to be uh, a global leader today, you have to effectively not communicate across cultures and also build relationships. You found out pretty early, especially with your trip to Japan, that something was activated in you. You were very fascinated by that culture. You you were so fascinated, you picked up the language, you started um, translating even. And then you, you also saw that, hey, you know, I have this skill set for just picking things up. So I'm going to just learn more about uh, music. I'm going to learn about tech and I'm going to partner up with people. It seems to me like learning and partnering up with people and also figuring out how to put pieces to the puzzle is something that you've, you've, uh, you've, I guess, naturally been gifted with. So how can people, especially particularly entrepreneurs and people hiring people, apply that to getting the best people in the company? Mm. Well, certainly, I'm I'm a natural. Um, I'm just a, a total freak human performance geek. Mm. So anything that I read about or hear about or consume or watch TED talks or podcasts or take classes or talk to smart people about is is really kind of trying to crack that code of what is it that makes people successful by whatever their definition is in life and in business and in relationships. And so I've always just had this intense natural curiosity. Um, and so I'm just a lifelong learner. No matter what I know, I'm, I'm always picking up something new every day, every week. And I write about it in a weekly blog. I have this little blog that I promised myself I would do not to make money, not to have you know millions of readers necessarily, but just to condense uh, some of the ideas and perspective that have been just transformative for me. And then that is my way of kind of taking notes. Like, what did I learn this week? What did I, what did I learn from this mistake I made in a relationship? What did I learn from this, these colossal mistakes I made in business? What did I learn from someone else's mistakes or successes? And I kind of synthesize that. And then it's a creative writing exercise for me because yeah. I have to do this in a way that I hope has impact on people, but also in a way that it takes them less than 20 seconds to read it. So that, that that's how I kind of like synthesize. I consume a lot because I'm a natural learner. And then I kind of spit it back out by thinking and saying, what did I learn and how can this help other people? And how can I condense it? So hopefully people will actually read it. But, um, you know, it, and it also makes me accountable for it too, right? So one of the themes across all of the personal and professional, uh, I guess, successes that I've had um, is that I tend to look at things from a perspective of 80-20, the, the Pareto principle. 80-20 just says, you know, everybody's heard this, I think, but 80% of the outcome or 80% of the results come from 20% of the input. So this applies to every single thing in life. This applies to no matter how big or small your wardrobe is, 
80% of the time, you wear a very small percentage of the clothes that you own. Everybody does. No matter how many salespeople you have, almost in a scary way, 80% of the revenue comes from 20% of the salespeople. So if you have 10 salespeople, it's very likely that two of them are bringing in 80% of the revenue. Um, I can tell you it's the same with my music, that I have probably 170 or so songs out there, and a vast majority of them don't sell very well, but a small percentage of them basically pay the mortgage, and those are the ones that tend to sell. And so you know, whatever business I'm in, or whatever project I'm trying to take on, um, and this isn't this isn't an attempt to get away from hard work. I think this is the definition of working smart, um, the the kind of old overused uh, cliche that people say work work smarter, not harder. Well, how do you do that? And to me, the question is always some version of this: What are the few critical things that matter most versus the trivial many? And so when you apply that to something like, um, and just to to answer the question that you asked directly, um, the book that I wrote is about technology recruiting because that's the business that I'm in. So we have companies as big as Apple and GM and Chevron, um, as well as, you know, mid-sized companies all the way down to well-funded startups that come to us and typically just want someone for project-based work. So they want an expert who knows how to use a certain tool and get to a certain outcome with it. Um, And we're one of who knows how many hundreds of companies that do this, and everybody says they're the best and they have the best people and they'll work with you to to, find the best solution. Um, And so what we have done different is really applied that 80-20. And there's something that technology does that helps us, and there are a good number of things that technology does that hurt us. And so one of the versions of hurting us, I'll I'll tell you a quick story of, there's a story about a woman that makes a roast for her family. It's a family recipe. And her husband sees her make this roast all the time, and he finally asks her, because he sees her cut off the ends of the roast, like waste 20% of it, Mm -hmm. and then puts it in the oven. And he says, you know, I got to ask you, I've seen you make this roast for years. Why do you always cut off the ends? And she says, I don't know. My mom taught me that way. I'm going to call my mom. So she calls her mom and asks her, and she says, you know, that's the family recipe. My mom taught me that way. You should call your grandma. So they call the grandmother and ask her the same question, and she says, oh, that's easy. When we first came from the old country, we had a tiny apartment and a tiny oven, and the roast wouldn't fit in the oven. And so (laughs) what happens, there's there's a version of this that, that most people have in their lives and in their business, and if you work for a big company, you certainly see this everywhere, that Something may have made sense a long time ago, but now we don't really question why we do something. It's just there. It's just the recipe we were given, and we don't question it. And where this becomes really insidious is that technology, for all the great things that it does, sometimes it makes a process very efficient. I mean, technology can do things in a fraction of a second that would take me hours or the smartest person hours to do, right? Well, if you have some technology that very efficiently chops off the ends of the roast, when that's not a good thing to do in the first place, then to me, that's the biggest waste, right? Is to apply uh, efficiency to something that shouldn't be done in the first place. So the 80-20 to me, 
of hiring anyone for any job, and this isn't just technology. This this is just as applicable if you're hiring a, a line cook for a restaurant, and it's just as applicable if you're hiring a software engineer at Uber or Apple or some name brand company. And that is that the few things that you need to know are really the one thing that you need to be convinced of before you hire someone is, do I believe that they're capable and motivated to do the job? Now, just about everybody agrees with me on that. I, don't, I think it's kind of hard to disagree. But the problem in the industry is what happens is if you look at any job description that's written online, the vast majority of them, more than 90% of them, don't actually describe jobs. They just describe the attributes and the skills and the education necessary to do the job. That is a really good example of chopping off the ends of the roast. That's a bad idea for a number of reasons. Um, if, for example, you're hiring an accountant and you say must have you know, eight years of experience with QuickBooks and five years of experience with some other skill, what's going to happen is you're going to identify people who might be able to do the work. But notice, we haven't defined the work. We don't actually know what the accountant's going to do on the job. We just know that in order to even have a conversation with us, you have to have these things. And the thing that I tell all my clients is, haven't you seen before in your career, or maybe you've been someone before in your career who, despite not having lots of years of experience or a master's degree or something else, um, was still able to do the work? And everybody says, yes, of course. So the first problem with trying to identify talent by forcing them to have arbitrary requirements is that you automatically, you organically weed out people who would be great at doing the work if you would tell them what the work was. And the other problem is that it qualifies people who have who actually have eight years of experience with whatever the tool is. But they may not do a great job. They may not even know how to do what you want them to do. So the 80-20 to me of hiring anyone for anything, whether it's someone to build your one-page website or someone to run human resources at your large company, is am I convinced that they're capable and motivated to do it? And there is a way to have a human conversation and use technology to... Um, to get at this and to get at the right people. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So you're saying arbitrary things. And um, and it's interesting hearing you talk about a way to motivate the leaders to find out more aspects of people's personalities in the hiring process. Because like I said earlier, I, I, I work with a lot of HR individuals, and particularly when they're trying to hire for skill sets, mm. you know, Sometimes they use the same set of questions and the same set of, you know, criteria to... In order to qualify them, you mean? Yeah, in order to qualify yeah. them. Sure. And, and I always tell them that, um, you know, using the same set of things to qualify someone is um, actually limiting people's experiences because you're, you, mm. you're not getting to know that person as much as you think you are. It might work for a certain sure. type of person, but they're, you know, we live in a world of 7.5 billion people. How do you then get those people to you know, to use their, um, to really show the best light. Now, sure. you bring in this human process in the hiring process, in the human thing in the hiring process. I'm very curious if you've had any examples in the past from your experience working sure. in HR. 
Yeah, I mean, just, you know, really our methodology is one that uses technology to be more human and not less human. And and part of the way that we do that is this this might sound like it's not a big difference when I say let's describe the job that we want the person to do as opposed to these arbitrary years of skills or certifications or whatever that they have to have. This might not sound like a big difference, but it's a drastic difference in mindset. The mindset of a company that says, in order to have a conversation with me or apply for this job, you must have five years of experience with X. That is clearly a weed out the weak strategy. Mm. And, and I think most people would even admit that. They're, they're saying, yes, we want to weed out the weak. And we believe that someone with less, of, less than five years of, of X skill or tool is going to make them not capable. What I say is, you don't have to weed out the weak. The weak are happy to weed themselves out. As long <laughs> as you uh, have a process that allows people, gives them the benefit of the doubt, and allows people to tell a story, they, most people will weed themselves out. So what happens is, and I'll give you one um, very specific example. When we post a job because we're hiring for some for something that we don't currently have a resource available for. Let's say I'm hiring for a uh, Java developer. So I put out something that says Java developer, and then what I do is I tell them um, what they're going to have to do on the job in order to be successful. So this is like three to five critical performance objectives. Every sentence starts with a verb, or else I won't work with the client if they don't tell me. If they just say, we need a Java developer who has X number of years of Java and X number of years of this database and X number of years of this, I say, that's fantastic. What will they do with their five years of this and four years of that? And if they won't answer that, we won't take the job. When they do answer that, then someone that applies for a job um, gets an immediate auto-reply from our system, and it says, hey, thanks so much for your interest in this job. As you saw by the job description, here are the three things that you have to do to be successful. And they're just sentences. They're not, this isn't a seven-page long right. thing. This is like, you know, this could be something like build a back-end financial system using this technology, right? And then I say, let's, let's start a conversation, right? So reply to this email and I just want you to write one concise sentence that outlines your most relevant accomplishment compared to this objective. And so what I'm doing is I'm allowing someone to even say something like, honestly, I've never even used Java, but I've used this other tool and I learned this other tool in three weeks, and I love learning new technologies, and here's what I did with this other technology. I built a major back-end financial system for Chase Bank, right? Like, that's pretty impressive, and that person may be the most qualified and motivated and interesting person to work on this job, and we would have weeded that person out if we required X number of years of Java. Here's a person that has no Java. Now, I'm not saying that they are the best person for this job, but what I'm saying is let's have a conversation. Let's allow this, this human to say, this is why I believe that I'm capable and motivated for this. Now, when we do this, 95 to 97% of the people won't reply, which is totally fine with me because that's them weeding themselves out. It's not me doing it. 
I'm not saying don't talk to me unless. I'm saying let's start a conversation. And many people either never read the job posting. Um, apparently, for two hundred thousand dollars a year, they don't they don't have three minutes of time to respond to this email. So no problem. Um, I'm sure you'll find something somewhere, <laughs> you know. And so my my stance on this is is exactly opposite of weed out the weak. It's identify the strong, identify the capable, give them a chance to have a human conversation, and then that's the start of the conversation. So if you can articulate, if you can follow the instruction of, for example, writing one concise sentence per objective when I ask for one sentence, you're showing me that you can pay attention to detail. You don't have to tell me on your resume, I am a very detail-oriented, results-oriented team player. My eyes glaze over when I read that because we don't know each other. So you know, if I tell you I'm honest, I expect to have to earn that. I don't expect you to believe that I'm honest because I wrote it on a piece of paper, right? So I'm testing for a skill that matters, attention to detail. And then I'm also testing to see if you can articulate what you do, what you're capable of doing, and what you want to do. I'm I'm solving a lot of problems with one email and I'm allowing lots of people to weed themselves out. So now what I've got is within 24 hours, I'm having a great conversation with three people. And this short conversation might go something like this. You know, now that I hear more about this, Steve, I'm I'm probably not a good fit for this. Here's what I really like to do. And you know, I'd rather not relocate to New Jersey. I'd really like a role here. Awesome. Now this person goes in our database and we have what I consider a top candidate who actually was had the integrity to raise his hand or her hand and say, hey, I'm not a good fit for this, but here's what I am a good fit for. I'm, of course, going to go that, back to that person when we have something that is a better fit for that person because I'm thinking about them and they're thinking about their next role, right? So that's an example of, you know, when, when you get into some of the, the big um, the zip recruiters and some of the, the name brand resume databases out there, in, in my view, in my personal view, they're basically very efficient uh, roast slicers. They're, they're basically saying, we can take all of those resumes that don't have five years of X experience and just throw them in a the garbage can for you. So you're left, like they're saying, we will weed out the weak. And then you're left with just these people. What you're actually left with is people that wrote something down on a resume and then you have to go test them for that skill. What we find is, of course, anybody could lie about anything, right? So some stranger could easily just reply to my email and say, I was the CEO of X company, and they really weren't. So understanding that, what we found is it's much less likely that someone's going to lie about a specific accomplishment than the fact that they have seven years of, of you know, Java experience versus three years. Right? And to me, I don't care how many years they have. I want to know if they're capable and motivated. I want to connect people that consider this meaningful work with companies that consider those people that are capable and motivated to do the work. So that's kind of how we look at what we do. Rather than trying to, trying to find a fit for someone and hope they can make it and kind of sell bodies, we're matching based on the company's objectives and the outcomes that these people have already shown in the past that they have achieved. And then, you know, we can get into the three. If there's, if there's three objectives and someone says, here's what I've done in my career, then we can have a nice conversation about that. Tell me about this 
financial system that you built? What did it include? What was the hardest thing? Who did you work who did you work with? What was the most difficult problem you encountered while building it and what did you do to resolve that? And now I can get all kinds of insight into their personality and the kinds of companies they like to work for. But the gate, the the opening gate is this start of a human conversation rather than this um, this kind of tool or this mentality that says, I'm just going to throw everyone in the garbage whose resume doesn't reflect my arbitrary requirements. Wow. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's, it's in a world of resumes that are built in buzzwords and, you know, the catchword of the year. For sure. This is, this is a good way to sift through unqualified candidates. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, I like how you answered a, a, a few questions there, you know, like some of the mistakes people make, you know, when they're... In the interview? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then even the ways that you can actually humanize technology by asking, you know, by just shifting or reframing some of these questions that allows mm-hmm. people to say, well, okay, based on these three or four criteria you gave me, mm-hmm. I, this is what I can do. And that invites people to say, here's my proof of work, even though it's not typically traditional, this is what... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I, I do hear... And, you know, that just opens the pool where someone that might have posted a job might not have considered something, but said, that's a, a testament to your creativity, something we need. And, and that's actually, I'm glad you brought up that you could link to someone's work, because in my business, that actually is a normal and helpful thing to do. So if I'm hiring someone on a, on a short-term, let's say a six-month project where they're doing a Android development or iOS development, um, it's very easy for me to say, just send me a link to the last or the most relevant app that you built or you had a hand in building, and they can just show me their work. And then we can have a conversation and say, okay, what did you specifically do? Did, was this your idea and then you just you were the visionary and the integrator and the creator? Or were you one of a team of 12 people and, you know, you were in charge or you worked for? And you can start to get into, but I like how you said you can, you can get examples of their work because, honestly, the best predictor of future performance is past performance. Mm. And, and past performance doesn't have to be exactly the same. Right. I mean, if, if you, you see achiever patterns in people, they get promoted quickly, they get they, they lead teams, they go from expert to leading other experts. Right. And so you see these patterns of people that achieve. They 
often consider it a very positive career move to continue that trajectory of achieving. You just want to know what they, what they want to achieve next. Yeah. So the first part of the conversation is just saying, here's this job. Point to some of your past accomplishments that prove to both you and I that you're capable of doing this. And then we'll talk about whether it's a great career move. Wow. See if it's a good match. No, that makes a lot of sense. No, I like that. Let's flip it a little bit and talk about ways to get hired. So you talked sure. about on the hiring process. Let's say mm-hmm. you know I'm in my 20s um, looking for a job. I know I want to get this job. This is a company that I want to, do, uh, to get it. But you know there are a few things. I might not have as much experience. I might not be considered a, an established professional. Sure. But what do you do in those situations? Well, first of all, I think more than ever, we don't, the younger people don't get to use the excuse of that catch 22 that says companies want to hire people with experience, but you can't get experience until you get hired by companies. A lot of people will hide behind that, but that doesn't work so much in this day and age because my, my, I have a, a few pieces of advice for younger or less established professionals. And the first thing I would say is absolutely optimize your time on doing things, not applying for things. Do things. So if someone who has zero experience with, I'll just make one up, with iOS development and thinks that it would be cool to, to, to do programming and to create applications for the iPhone, you can go to your local library with an internet connection and you can learn how to code in iOS free of charge in multiple places. So you, you have no excuse for not learning stuff. And then I would say optimize for actually doing stuff. So just because somebody won't hire you today, go to your you know, uh, cousin's business and say, I want to build an app for you. Go to your local uh, whatever uh, charity you support and say, I'd like to build an app for you. I'm learning how to design applications using the iPhone, I want to build an app for you. What would be useful? Um, go to, I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities to actually just go do things and consider that an investment. And it's such a big investment. I actually think, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound negative at all on, on real academics, um, on, on going to get a college degree or anything like that. But, but I find it interesting that people don't want to do free work, but they'll go to school and pay for the school to give them homework, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not going to go build an app for the local Red Cross because they're not paying me. It's like, yeah, but if you were paying for a college class, they would make you pretend to build an app that no one's going to use, and you would be paying them money. So when you when you optimize your time for actually doing things a few other things happen that arguably are better than what could happen in academia if you go to your local um if if you volunteer your time to actually just cut your teeth on any skill and i'm just using technology because it's it's close to me but it doesn't really matter what it is i mean you could want to be an accountant you could want to be a entrepreneur that works in a certain industry, go donate your time in a certain industry, tell them how excited you are to learn this stuff and what you want to give them back for spending time with you. And what happens is not only do you learn the skill, but you also develop relationships. And you develop relationships with people who are using the, the, the tools and skills that you're building. So I think you have a 
much better chance actually getting a job with someone even you know you could just build uh build an app for your neighbor's little you know uh mom and pop fishing store let's say right and you think well they're not going to hire me to do anything big yeah but one of their customers might one of their friends might you're you're optimizing for spending time solving business problems and you're using your time to develop a skill set and solve those problems so i think you can you don't really have the excuse of i can't do the work i want because no one will hire me without experience so my answer to that is go get experience um the second thing is and this is unfortunate but this is just how the world is right now you have a actually the statistically the worst way to get a job is to apply for a job that's just sad but it's true i'm not saying don't apply for jobs but the statistic is something like 1 in 250 applications turn into jobs so you have a less than 1% chance of getting a job just because you applied for it so i talked to a lot of people and some of them are actually very established in their career and i just talked to a gentleman a couple months ago who's a cfo at a pretty big company his company just got bought out by a bigger company they're bringing in their own cfo this guy is now on the job market for the first time in 15 20 years and it's changed drastically and he cannot believe that someone with his experience is has sent out 100 or 200 job applications and literally got nothing back not even a don't call us we'll call you like nothing back and i have to tell people like that and anyone who applies for a job don't take it personally because the system that we're in right now is trying to optimize for efficiency so there's someone sitting on the other end who's probably getting hundreds of resumes and they're probably they probably never even saw your resume or your linkedin profile or whatever you sent there's probably some uh younger person or some algorithm that just filtered out your resume because it didn't have the exact keywords that they thought it should have so they're basically playing the game of how few resumes can i deal with in order to get with to the right person right so it's more about efficiency than it is about effectiveness so um so i'm not saying don't apply for jobs you should apply for jobs but i would say then don't sit back i would look at companies that you want to work for i would talk to people who are already doing things that you think you want to do and just ask their advice say what's it like to be a senior software engineer what do you love about it why did you get into it um what advice do you have for me if i'm considering going into this um go to a company that you love and that you admire whether you know someone that works there or not and just reach out to someone on linkedin and say hey i, I don't even know if your company's hiring but here's why i love your company um you know may maybe you have a friend that worked there and you've heard good things about it or maybe you just are a customer of that company and you would love to work for them you know when you develop a relationship and you're not selling them anything you don't say i really want to Uh, work for your company hire me right now you're just saying i want to know more about your company like these kinds of human conversations are the ones that eventually get people jobs that get people business if you're selling because you're not coming across as desperate like hey i need a job do you know anyone who's hiring i mean that just sounds like uh that approach just sounds like the drunk guy at the bar that's just like i need a girlfriend so i'm going to you know drink seven beers and then just ask every girl in the bar out it's like he has his zero 
criteria other than female, right? And this person that's applying for 12 jobs just wants a job. They don't necessarily want your job or your company. They just want to get paid. But you don't come across that way when you focus on two or three companies and say, your company seems really interesting to me. And I don't even know if you're hiring right now. Or I saw that you are hiring in this department, but do you ever need people that do this? Because I'm thinking of doing this. Or I'm I'm donating my time and doing this. I would love to donate my time to you too if I can be helpful. And these things you can consider in advanced education. You can consider this your master's degree program if you already have a degree. Right. And you know, you can so it's it's continuing education, but more importantly, it's building your skills and your uh, I don't know if younger people will know this word, but Rolodex, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you need three things, your Rolodex, your reputation, and your resume. And your Rolodex just means your contacts, right? So you're, you're developing relationships with people that see you work. They see how hard you work. They see your work ethic. They see your attitude. They see that you're uh, you're, you're learning, and when you came in, you didn't know much, admittedly, and you learned quickly, right? Like, these are people that would be ridiculous not to want to hire you soon, <laughs> right? Like, right. as soon as they can. And so I know people who have used this approach, and despite not having years of experience, they had companies fighting over them. And I even have heard of one, there's one guy that I know that got a job at a company they, they created a position for this guy. They created a position for this person because they wanted him so bad, right? Like they didn't even have a specific thing that, they, that he, he was going to do yet. There wasn't a, a role that he had to fill that they decided first, and they said, we need to hire someone. They just said, we want to hire this person, and we're going to figure out what he's going to do, but we want this person. Yeah. So there's a lot of proactive strategies that don't involve – you know, only sending out a thousand resumes and then hoping the phone rings. That's no, I love that. And, you know, there's a parallel to what you're saying with what you did with your life in terms of how you picked up on certain skill sets. And I hear focus on building relationships, focus on building your skill sets, focus on sure. understanding that it's, it's more than just sending a, a resume to someone. It's about being human to use your word. Mm. And, and a, sure. a, a way to build human is to, um, to uh, connect, and, and that, that's something a lot of humans do. And the more uh, real you become to a prospective uh, boss or prospective colleague, the more uh, possibilities open for you. So it's, you know, it, it's using digital to be human. Just, hey, right. can, I send a, can, can I grab a cup of coffee or exactly. I notice this? Can, can, I just want to take 15 minutes of your time. Um, and that's another part it, that I'll, uh, some advice that I'll give for the younger people is that one thing that technology does great and also at the same time not so great is it allows us to kind of mass communicate. So, you know, I have an email list and I can just click a button and a thousand people hear what I have to say, right? I mean, that's, that's an amazing uh, attribute of technology uh, unless it's misused, right? So there are tools that, for instance, you know, like I'm, I'm in sales kind of for my company. Um, I do lots of things, but but one of my hats is business development and sales. There are tools that allow me to search different companies or job titles by certain criteria. Let's say I'm selling to uh, you know soft senior software engineers who work for 500 person companies, 
right? Let's say that's my target market. Well, I can go in and use these tools and it'll bring up a thousand profiles, right? So a thousand potential customers and they make it really easy for me to just send one canned message to a thousand people. Like that's awesome. That's super efficient. I almost never use that. I, I'm the guy that will actually click on all thousand profiles and not bother anybody that I don't think is a good fit. And I will attempt to start a human conversation with that person. I'll say, hey, looks like we went to the same college. Hey, looks like you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's so weird. Like not, not many weirdos like us are, are going to spend their weekends with you know people uh, putting their elbows in our face. Like that's kind of cool, right? Like we have this I'm, – I'm reading their profile and I'm looking at something human and I'm attempting to reach out. And then I'm non-aggressively saying we – do this kind of business for these kind of companies and you look like you're a senior software engineer and you occasionally hire these kinds of developers. Here's what we did for these other companies. Does it even make sense for us to talk? This person knows that I've spent a few minutes looking at their profile. And by the way, some people's LinkedIn profile will say, hey, recruiters, don't reach out to me unless it's a such and such, right? There, there's no way that I can send a mass communication and get that kind of uh, insight into each person. And I'm, I'm actually not going to email a thousand people anyways, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll spend a little bit of extra time. And even though that doesn't sound like an efficient use of my time, it's really effective. I would rather spend an hour doing that than an hour clicking a bunch of times and spamming a thousand people hoping for 1% of a million, which is a big number. But yeah. I'm more concerned about annoying 990,000 people and getting to just a handful of people where we really are a good fit. They're not doing me a favor by doing business with me. We're doing each other a mutual favor because I've sought them out and they seem to be a good fit. So the other piece of advice and the other kind of way to be human is because we have all of this insight that we didn't have 20 years ago, um, you know, in 10 minutes, I can find out more about you than probably the FBI knew about you 20 years ago, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, that's how amazing technology is. So, so, you know, get some insight into other humans that you want to connect with and use that to their advantage and your advantage and, yeah. and actually create a relationship instead of treating them like a transaction because there's no way to send a mass email to a thousand people that doesn't sound like this. It's almost like <laughs> this is the joke I use. Do you ever get mail like physical mail in your mailbox, and it says, to current resident. Yes. <laughs> it's like, wow, you really know me. You've got my heart. You had me at current. Like, I'm opening this to see what's It's like, nothing's more impersonal. That's the way I feel like these mass emails come across. It's like, hey, listen to me. My message is important. It's like, you don't even take a minute to find out who I was. So any chance you have to do that, I think, is a good investment of time even though it's not the most efficient way to send a communication. No, I love it. This is, this is amazing. And you can get more of this in, uh, in Steve's book, which is why technology recruiting is broken and what to do about it. So, wow, we've covered so much and you're such a, you're such an eloquent speaker that you're able to just give into, uh, uh, answer a lot of questions simultaneously. So we've, thank you. No, you're welcome. We've gone through the 80-20 you know, Pareto Principle Rule, you know, what to do if you want to hire, what to do if you want to be hired, how to, you know, essentially humanize the whole process from both angles and and the the importance of understanding that, 
even though there's a lot of negative talk about technology, there's another way that technology can actually connect. So, I mean, I, th- this has been an action-packed episode. But before we go, I want to I want to ask you more about your your other interests in terms of um, essentially being a Renaissance man. What do you feel, uh, especially with your traveling and going to different parts of the world, is something that the youth can develop as a skill set in today's world? You've been to Japan. You've been all mm-hmm. over the world doing music. And I'm sure you come across people who have hopes, dreams, ambitions. And sure. I'm curious to see if you've seen a trend or if you believe that there's a certain skill that we all can develop now so that we can become quite accustomed to today's world. Mm. Uh, I think if I had to answer that in a word, it would be empathy. Mm. And the the way that I think of that word is really just whether it's, you know, cultures exist everywhere, right? Like the, it, an easy example of culture is the difference between, uh, you know, China and New Zealand, right? I mean, there's so many differences in language and lifestyle and number of people and the food and all these different aspects. That's certainly an easy example of culture. But, you know, we have books written in the United States like uh, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, which show us very obviously that even just the difference in gender from people that are that grew up in the same neighborhood even have uh, very different ways that we think and we communicate. And these are all just mini cultures, like even between men, right? Like I have my culture being uh, every aspect of how I grew up and how I was raised and my education and my assumptions about the world and my beliefs. And so developing empathy is really, I, I think a prerequisite is just being intellectually curious about other people. If you're not curious, then you're just kind of annoyed that everybody's like you. But if you're naturally curious, um, one of my good friends says this great, he's, he's just a, he's a, he's a Renaissance man. He's a truly successful entrepreneur, but just a, a great guy and a great family man. And he said something to his kids that I never forgot. He said, don't work so hard to be interesting to other people work hard to be interested in other people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, that's really good advice because mm-hmm. you can learn so much from someone who just knows. I, I think just if you just assume that anyone you're talking to knows things that you don't, that's a good starting point. And then you can really be empathetic by learning more every day and, and becoming a better version of yourself that can develop more personal and professional attributes that are helpful to you and the people around you. Ah, I love it. That's amazing. I couldn't agree more. Empathy is a skill we all need to develop. Ah, this is so good. So, okay. If we become more human and we become, you know, more empathetic, there's definitely going to be, you know, there's definitely going to be more of a, I guess, an understanding and, uh, and a different way for us to see things from different perspectives and appreciation of other cultures, if you will. And I think that's something that sometimes gets lost in today's. I think uh, you know that more than most people <laughs> with your background. Well, I, I've, so I've actually, I'm not lecturing you on that for sure. No, but I mean, it, it's but it, it is it is something that um, I think we all need to develop for sure. The, the last question I always ask my guests is the mission statement of what I do, which is use your difference to make a difference. That's the foundation of what I do. I'm curious how you, Steve, use your difference to make a difference. How I use my difference well. I think that in everything that I do, 
I strive to make myself um, this is going to be a longer answer than you wanted, but I, sure. I read a book where uh, the guy in the book said that as we develop in our professional lives, we optimize for one thing or another, and it's really hard to do everything. It's really hard to, for example, optimize to make the most money possible and also optimize to be the most famous celebrity. Because the most famous people that we know are often usually not the richest people. And some of the richest people are decidedly, you know, some people in Hollywood whose names you and I don't know, make far more money than people that are more popular or, you know, more in the limelight. And so that's just one example. And so he was encouraging people to think about what it is that you are optimizing for. And so... I did some work on this, and my what I notice in my personal and professional life is that I'm always trying to do one thing. <laughs> I'm always answering the question, how can I be more useful? Wow. And so when I look at you know building the business that we have, that is how we make decisions. It's of course we want to make more money, like it's it, but it, but if we just optimize for profitability it would be really easy for me to play the game, play the kind of resume roulette game that most people play, not really care as much about whether people are in jobs that are meaningful to them. Like I would make other decisions if that was the most important thing. I could certainly make a lot more money if I didn't care that way, but that's not what I'm optimizing for and I'm fine with that. And so I look at it this way in personal relationships, in business, in the value that we bring to customers. And I really don't mean this in in a buzzword way, like when I say the word value to customers is overused. It's like, how can I actually be more useful to you? And and one simple example, I mean, this is like such an easy thing that doesn't, that won't even sound like it's, uh, you know, out of a business book, right? Because it's so simple and um, kind of practical. But um, but I always think about this, and if my client has a meeting with one of my consultants and it's already on their calendar, I might send them a text message three minutes before and say, I just want to make sure that you have my consultant's number right here, so here it is, and I'll text it to them. I mean, this is a silly and very easy example, but I could have done nothing, but I'm actually thinking, what would be useful to me if I was in that position? Like this person's going from meeting to meeting. He knows that this meeting's next. Hopefully he'll be on time. It would be really useful for him to just have that number where he could just click and he doesn't have to ask me or open his laptop or think about it, right? And so if you do that a thousand times a day, you end up being a very useful person to your friends and your family and the people that you work with. Um, so I guess that's mine. How useful can I be? No, that's that's perfect. You you know, you use your difference to make a difference by committing to be useful to others. And that's something uh and that feeds into your empathy point. Just you know, it's a okay. different level of perspective taken when you understand what someone needs and, and you know, that takes um, you know, you understanding their perspective. So, really love this. I, I've got to I got to thank you for this episode because I like how varied it was and I like how, you know, you took us through several journeys, but it the theme like the theme of your book is really to remember to humanize people, to humanize ourselves and to remember that there is a very, very simple thing that we can do, which is connect. But that point of connection is something that can lead to uh, things on an exponential, exponential level. So I love mm. that reminder. Thank you, sir. It's been a great conversation. 
I appreciate your time. No, thank you so much. But um, I'll definitely put all the links in the show notes. Steve Atro's book is Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to Do About It. And if you want to hear his music and everything <laughs> that he does, I mean, you can always check out. Uh, whoa. D- what? I hear it. I know <laughs> Where can they find all, all, all links to all that stuff? Um, I think just the all things me uh, thing is right at one website, which is Steve Acho, A-C-H-O, resources.com. Boom. But I'm happy to give people advice if they're looking for jobs or whatever. I don't need to make money to be useful. <laughs> well, uh, if, if you want to find out how Steve can be useful to you, make sure you check the, the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.